And today I've entitled this sermon, Commission Called, Surrendered, Serve. Because that is the process by which we, are, we come to Christ. I preached in January on the missional disciple. God gives us a mission as disciples in Christ to make a call to people to surrender their lives to Jesus. And when they surrender their lives to Jesus, should be the inevitable outcome is service to the Lord. So people are commissioned. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That's God's commission to the church, to each and every disciple, every single person who has called upon the name of Jesus Christ in faith to be their Lord. They are commissioned to go out and make the gospel call to anyone and everyone they come in contact with. But then the handoff is given. The handoff is given, and those individuals who hear the gospel have to choose for themselves, will they surrender to the call? Now you may say, I thought a call was something like to a vocational ministry, or a call was to a position. I don't know if you've ever heard somebody, you ever heard your mama call you, come on! Or maybe your mom had that great whistle where she could stick both fingers in her mouth. Whistle. My Aunt Diane, I'm telling you, she she'd put them two fingers in her mouth and you could hear her all through the neighborhood. You knew it was time to come home. Brian was being called. That's my cousin's name. Brian was being called. And if Brian was being called, you know, my mom and daddy couldn't whistle like that. So we just had to come. You know? So there is a call, there is a surrender that we make. We surrendered whatever we were doing at the time, whether it was hide and seek in the dark or kick the can or whatever it was we was playing that night, basketball, it didn't matter. You put it down, hey guys, we got to go. Somebody's going to get a spanking if we don't get to the house. Somebody's going to be, something's going to happen. We got to get to the house. We had to surrender to that call and then you get home and most of the time you got chores to do. So you served, Right? Right? It's kind of how it works in the family. It kind of works in the church family the same way as well. Commissioned, called, surrendered, served. Today we're looking here, you know, the church, uh, uh, excuse me, today we'll pick up with the final point. Last week I didn't get to finish my sermon. You know, I'm kind of long-winded, so I cut it short. So we're looking at verses 15 through 18 to begin with, uh, and we'll, we'll wrap that up. I've kind of repackaged that from the perspective of what we're looking at today. Last week, we were looking at the perspective of dealing with depression. And uh, the Lord had talked to Elijah, and the Lord still had work for Elijah to do. He said, your work is not done. And what was his job? His job was to go out, and he had been commissioned as the prophet of God to make a call. Okay? To make a call. And so uh, we're going to pick those latter verses up there and start moving with it from there. So we're looking at it from that part. Today we'll be seeing Elijah in commission to God calling Elisha. We are seeing Elisha surrender to the call sent by the call of God sent by Elijah and the inevitable outcome of surrender to God, which is service. You will know and the church will know when you have truly surrendered to the Lord, when you begin to surrender in service to the Lord. This will flesh out in a myriad of ways. It'll flesh out in a lot of different ways. To each person, this service will look entirely different. It will look different. For some, service will be watching children during worship service. And, and while people are in the sanctuary, it might be that your service is to do that. 
For others, it may be singing in the choir. Others, it may be you are securing the grounds during the services. Others, it may be leading a ministry. For others, still, it may be surrendering to a vocational call of ministry. Our kingdom is in great demand of student ministry, student ministers. I read an article this week. It is hard to find student ministers all across the United States right now. Challenging. Very challenging. And also music or worship leaders. It's hard to find music or worship leaders right now. Both of those areas in the church are very difficult to find. It may be that that is where God's calling you to surrender in service today. Our kingdom's in great, in great need of that. You may even be here today with a call of God to go to another area of the U.S. or yet to another country to share the gospel as a missionary. You may be here today and the Lord wants you to follow him into a vocational pastorate. But one thing I know God has called every single one of us to, and that is to share the gospel wherever we are to go. Everyone is called to that. That is not to, uh, to me alone. It's not to your Sunday school teachers alone. It's not to your leaders of ministry alone. Every single person called by the gospel of Jesus Christ who surrenders to it, they are, we are, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are every one of us. Today, we will see the commitment of Elijah to do God's will even while coming out of depression. You may say, I'm in a hard place. So was Elijah. That's okay. God uses most of the people in the Bible because they were in a hard place, right? Some of them, he put them, he put them there specifically. So don't use that as an excuse as to why I can't do something. God can use you even in your hard places. Elijah was being used. We will see a young man commit to follow the Lord. We will see two men commit to the Lord their lives for the purpose of service. Today, we'll observe commissioning, calling, surrendering, and service from two devoted men of God by God. So let's look here in verses 15 through 21. If you have your copy of God's Word, you can turn over there, you can follow along on the screens. 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 15 through 21. It says, Then the Lord said to him, this is the Lord speaking to Elijah, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, anoint Haziel as king over Syria. Also, you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel Mahalah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. It shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Haziel, uh, Jehu will kill. And whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. So he, being Elijah, departed from there, and found, and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he was with the 12th. Then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him, and he left the oxen, and ran after Elijah and said, Please let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? So Elisha turned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh using the oxen's equipment and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and became his 
servant. We find ourselves here in verses 15 through 18. And I would call this commissioned to call. Elijah has been commissioned by the Lord God. You are my prophet, is what Elijah is to God the Father. And God gives him a command. The Lord commissioned Elijah to call these individuals to leadership. This past Wednesday, I spoke shortly, but long, on the idea of leadership. I'll finish that up this next week. So here we have a, an idea of leadership. When God calls you and I to, to salvation through the gospel, he is commissioning us to a work, okay? It might not be that God's calling you to the commissioning of the work of pastorate. He might not be commissioning you to the work of a Sunday school teacher or a deacon or a leader in the church, but he's commissioning you to a call to be a disciple. And a disciple, what do they do? They learn all that the master has to, to give. And then they mimic it. They live it. They use it as a means of a way of life. That is a disciple. And when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, how are we going to learn this? You may learn bits and pieces from individuals within a church body. But we don't all live in the same house. So it's very difficult for us to really learn that. And some of us, we don't want to live in the same house. Okay, let's just be honest. Okay? All right? But we all come to God's house because we want to learn from Him. But we can all go to God's Word. Now listen, if you don't have a copy of God's Word in your house, let me know. You need a copy of God's Word in your house. And you, whether it's a, a mother and father, single mother, single father, it don't matter how the dynamic of your house looks, you need a Bible in your house. And it don't need to be collecting dust. It needs, to be, it needs to be collecting your eyes and your heart and your mind and your life. Because you need to be, as much as, as much as the Bible needs to be in you, you need to be in it. Day after day, moment by moment, take the time to be in the Word of God. Take the time to be there. So the Lord commissioned Elijah to call these individuals. And I'm going to briefly go over this because this is not really the primary point of my sermon today, but he was commissioned by the Lord. The Lord said to him there in verse 15. The Lord spoke very clearly to him. The Lord has spoke very clearly to you and I through his word. Here he speaks through his word to Elijah. And he tells him to go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. It's almost back to the starting point. And when you arrive, these are the things you are to do. The Lord gave Elijah another task to commission Elisha in his calling for the Lord. And the Lord was going to allow Elijah to serve him even in his hardship. We're reminded in Psalm 103, 10 and 14, He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. The Lord knew Elijah's insufficiency, but the Lord wanted Elijah to know that he was sufficient for him. And he tells him, go out and do this task to which I have called you. He says, you shall anoint Haziel as king over Syria. Now, Syria was not a Christian nation. I want you to understand the Bible tells us in Romans that God is over all. God, everyone is set in place in leadership by God. No one is in leadership apart from him. And you may say, well, I don't particularly like the leadership we've got. Well, okay, God's got a purpose in it. Don't know why. 
We don't have the mind of Christ, but God has allowed the people to be in leadership that are in leadership at the moment. Whether you can go back as far as presidential things, governor things, it doesn't matter. You could go back and you say, well, I like this one, didn't like this one, like this one, didn't like Okay, I understand that. But you know what? There's a reason why God had them there. I don't know what it is. Now, some of those things we can see, some of those things we may never see. But God knows why people are in leadership at the time. And he tells Elijah, he says, look, anoint Haziel. Haziel to be the king over Syria. And he says, you shall also anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. Now, Israel was having some problems, but, the, but he says, you know what? This is what you're going to do. I want you to do that. And he tells them to do that. And then he says, also, you uh, shall anoint, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel Mahala, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. So the Lord's letting Elijah know, listen, you've gone through a lot. You've served me well. And I'm going to prepare you for the person that you're to mentor to replace you. Every single person in every leadership position should be mentoring someone to replace them. Everybody. Everybody. Our time on earth, the Bible tells us, is like a vapor. We don't know when our time may come. So what should we do? You, you've, garnished, you've garnered all this knowledge and wisdom for the position that you may be in, and then you're not willing to pass it on the next generation. That's kind of stuff. That's the reason why we're in the trouble we're in today. Because people have gotten selfish with their wisdom and knowledge. God grants that. But we've gotten selfish with it. We've got to learn. We are yet but a vessel to be used for God's noble purposes. That's what the Bible tells us. What does a vessel normally do? It gets things from point A to point B to deliver something, right? A vessel does. We are to take the knowledge God gives us and move it from point A to point B. And in the passage, you're handing something off to someone else most of the time, right? We call those vessels that cross the oceans that bring us... Uh, merchandise and, 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 and supplies and things of that nature. We are but a vessel. And God calls us to put that into us. If you go back, as I was talking on Wednesday night, Moses was the vessel God used to help bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And in Moses, what did he do? He poured into Joshua. He mentored him. And so the people uh, under Joshua, the, they, were, they were great for a while. But then you look at Joshua. And when Joshua died, what happened? The Bible tells us that the people went, a, went, a, went astray. They did not recognize God. Why was that? Joshua didn't mentor anybody. He didn't mentor anybody. Every single person in leadership, and I said this earlier when we were talking about Sunday school, and you may say, I've, I've tried to do this. This ain't worked in my class. Sunday school participants, this is my message to you. God doesn't call you just to sit there and absorb He's preparing you for something. And it may be to teach the class that you're currently in. It may be that the Lord is saying, you need to be absorbing this. You need to be talking to them, taking this in, seeing how they study, sit down with them. And you need to learn to be, a, maybe you need to be the co-teacher, the assistant. Learn. Listen, we're, we're about to be in need of a new Sunday school class or two. Okay. Because some of our classes are rather large. We've had, we've had a couple of classes that have gotten pretty big. And some of those classes may need to divide out because we just not because we want to take people away from one another, but we're just running out of literal room. Now, we've got a couple of open classrooms, so don't say, well, we ain't got the class. We've got a couple of classrooms available. 
But you've got to mentor somebody. But somebody's got to want to be mentored too. We'll see that in just a minute. You've got to want it. Okay, leadership, I said Wednesday night, sometimes leadership is thrust upon you because you're not expecting it. Something happens and you just got to step up into it. And then sometimes you're molded for leadership. Joshua was molded for leadership. I know that's not part of my sermon today, but there you go. There's that little piece of nugget. You can come back on Wednesday night and hear the rest of it. All right? The Lord called these to leadership. Why did he call these guys? Why did he call Haziel? Why did he call Jehu? Why did he call Elisha? Well, the Lord called these to leadership to purge false worship from the Israelites. That's what the Lord was doing. And he tells them, he says, you know, the ones that, that Haziel doesn't kill, Jehu's going to take care of them by the sword. And the ones that Jehu doesn't take care of, Elisha's going to take care of them. He put them in place. Why is that? Because Elijah was getting near the end of the time of his service. And the Lord assures Elijah that his work is not in vain. The Lord explained that these appointments, the worship of Baal and Asherah, will be purged by the use of the sword. This working of the Lord through Elijah's servitude will be the steps in restoring Israel to a right place with the Lord. I also want you to know, too, if you remember back, for some of you, you might not have been here in the past previous weeks, but, but if you want to catch up, there's a couple of different ways you can do that. You can go to Facebook. You can go to YouTube. You can search up New Prospect Baptist Church on YouTube. You can go to podcasts, and you can find them there, and you can catch back up, or you can just read your Bible. <laughs> One of two ways to do it. A lot of different ways through medias. One very simple way, just go back and read your Bible. But if you want to know that, Elijah said, I'm the only one left. I'm the only prophet left. But the Lord tells us right there at the end there of uh, verse 18, it says, Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. And like I said last week, a lot of times when we get depressed, we start seeing ourselves in ways that's not true. He saw himself as isolated. Oh, I'm the one and only. Nobody else deals with the stuff that I deal with. Oh, poor pitiful me. I just want to crawl underneath the juniper tree and die. And listen, I'm not trying to mock anybody that's been in a hard place. But I also want you to understand, though, Elijah was just really just, he was just like, where, where are these folks? Where are these folks that are supposed to be helping me? Where are these folks supposed to be helping your people, God? And God says, look, you don't have to know everything, but you need to know what I've told you and stand in it and believe in it and move in it. What I do with somebody else is really none of your business. But if I choose to let you know about it, okay. All right. But if I choose to tell you about it, it's all good. And he says, now I'm choosing to tell you about it. Why is that? Because you're fixing to ride off in the sunset, Elijah. You've done the work that I've called you to do, and that's good. Thank you. But I want you to let you know your work was not in vain. Your work was not in vain. You know, today we want to know that what we do matters, don't we? When we're commissioned to go make a call, to call out to people, we want to know that what we do matters. We want to know that our work is accomplishing a desired outcome. We want to know that our efforts have made a positive change and the people around us, and those that are to come. And God was doing this work in and through Elijah, and Elijah had been in a bad place, but God was bringing him out of his depression. But this work and calling these leaders weren't only to prop up Elijah, but rather to glorify God and remove the perceived 
power from the false gods. It was to remove that perceived power from the false gods. But even when God sends us in commission to call, those we go to must surrender to the call. Okay? I want you to understand, we are called to do the work of the gospel. But it's not our responsibility for someone to be saved. Okay? God does the saving, we do the calling. We send out the gospel. We are to be faithful in that. But it's up to the individual and God as to whether or not they're going to be saved. When we make the call, when we, God has commissioned us as disciples to make the call. So when we make the call, it is the responsibility of the hearer on whether or not they will surrender. Let's look at verses 19 and 20. It says, So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he was with the twelfth. And Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Please let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And Elijah said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? So here is the call to surrender. Called to surrender. Elijah departs from Mount Horeb, the Mount of God, and heads to find Elisha. And Elisha will be found in Abel Mahala, about 150 miles away. Here's roundabout. He has gone all the way around. He's gone to um, he's gone to Brook Cherith. He's gone to Zarephath. He's come back around to to see Ahab. He's gone up on to the Mount, Mount Sinai. They go down, they kill all the prophets, and then he runs from Jezreel all the way over to Mount Horeb, and, uh, he, and then he's there. And then to get back to where he had to go, it was 150 miles. That's a lot of movement. That's a lot of movement on foot. On foot. We think about 150 miles, that ain't too bad. You know what, that's, that's a third of a tank of gas. But on foot, that's a whole different that's a whole different thing. <laughs> it's a whole different thing there. And since Elisha was the key figure, Elijah went to him first. He found Elisha busily, busily engaged in plowing. When God calls upon us to serve him, we should be found diligently and productively working in our society and culture. We should not be found lazily wandering about, but hard at task in the current situation the Lord has placed us. We should be at task working as best we can where we are. You know, that scripture I quoted a minute ago, Matthew chapter 28, that's kind of as an as you go. As you go, make disciples. Wherever God has you right now, whatever workplace God has you, that's your mission field. That's your mission field. Don't say, oh, I can't go on mission. I can't go to Kentucky in July. That's okay. You go to mission every day. You go to your workplace every day. You're around your family every day. You've got a mission field. Don't cut yourself short. Don't cut God short. You've got somewhere to go. You've got something to do. And you should be diligently doing it. It should never be said of a Christian that we are lazy workers. Never. Because what kind of testimony are you going to have to be able to share the gospel if you're a bum at work? saying it boss always got to be coming in what you doing 
Why are you doing that? That ain't what you're supposed to be doing. You think you're going to have any ground to stand on to share the gospel with somebody if that's going to be your, that's going to be your problem? No. We need to be diligent, faithful. The Bible tells us to do everything as though you're doing it unto the Lord. It don't matter what you're doing. It might be lifting furniture. It might be making furniture. It might be doing accounting work. It might be, I don't know there's, there's, you know, there's a lot of different places. You might be working in a coal mine. It doesn't matter where you work. Work as though you're working for the Lord. That way there's no testimony against the Lord. Work as though you're working for the Lord. Do everything with excellence. That way when you get the opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, there's no hindrances in that. We need to be faithful people no matter where we're found. And we find Elisha. He's out there plowing. Any of y'all ever plowed before? I, I need to put my hand down. No, I have not. I've given you an example of how to raise your hand. Okay. <laughs> I've never plowed before. <laughs> it's okay to raise your hand in church. It's all right. I promise. You ain't get in trouble. Listen, it's, it, we, we, need to, we need to be diligent in working when God finds us. We don't need to be lazy folks. And listen, you may say, well, I can't work anymore. That's okay. Whatever you can do, be doing it faithfully for the Lord. Whatever that may be. Be found faithful in the Lord. The fact that Elisha was using 12 yoke of oxen, 24 expensive animals, indicates that his family was probably better off financially than most Israelites. But then we see that Elijah comes up. This, this just blows my mind. I, I think this is so interesting. And the commentators even said that too. So here's Elisha. Elisha's out here sweating. He's, well, he might not be sweating too bad. The, the, the cattle are. But he's out there and he's riding it. I guess he could ride it. It might have been, I don't know exactly which way they did it there. There's a variety of different ways of plowing. I've seen my grandfather do it. So I at least have seen it done. Okay? I'm not too far removed. But anyway, he just comes up, and he just walks up, and, and Elisha's over there plowing and working. Now, Elijah's done walked 120 miles, I said. So he's probably sweaty, too. And they say the mantle of, of, the, of the priest was hairy and rough of the prophet. But it was a sign of the fact that he had been called by God. And he just walks up and goes, just keeps walking. And it says that Elisha chased him down. He's like, well, what am I supposed to do with it? Let me go back and kiss my mom and daddy. And he's like, what's that to me? What's that to me? What have I done to you? What have I done to you? Because this, this is what I want you to understand. When we share the gospel, what have I done to you? I ain't done nothing to you. If you feel like you need to respond, God's done something to you. If you feel like you need to do something once I've shared the gospel with you, You've got to do something with it. What, what am I to do with that? That's what he's saying right there. I thought that was so, such an interesting point there. We today, we don't, we don't have this really type of approval or calling, do we? You know, I'm not just going to walk up to some random person and throw my jacket on it, you know, and say, now you're going to be the preacher. You know what I mean? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I'm doing that after the service. You better be prepared. <laughs> You'd be scared out of your mind, wouldn't you? <laughs> uh, look out. Look out. You know? But, you know, we, we do observe the life of men 
to see if they are the, the if they are of the description set out in First Timothy chapter, First uh, Timothy, excuse me, Second Timothy and Titus to fill the role of deacon or pastor, don't we? We observe those things. We're not literally going out throwing a mantle on somebody. But see, when the time comes around for for uh, nominating deacons again, which will come around in August, I believe it is, we'll have that sign-up sheet, that that uh, form. And if you've seen somebody in this church who's been uh, living an evidence life of that of a deacon, serving the Lord, loving the people of this church, uh, reaching out when people are hurting, someone's lost somebody and in in, in, in they reach out and say, I care for you. That's how you observe that. They're doing the work of a deacon, but they ain't got the title. Let me tell you something. A title, sometimes a title sets us back more than it sets us forward. Sometimes a title will set us back more than it sets us forward. If you're doing the work of deacon and someone says, hey, I believe, and listen, as deacons and as a church body, we need to be praying for, for every, every person in this church, but especially our men as they lead their families. If you see them doing that work and you've been nominated, somebody's been watching you. Somebody's been paying attention to you and you're like, oh, somebody's watching me? You know, I always feel like somebody's watching me. Anyways, some of y'all get that. But, you know, somebody, the Lord had been watching Elisha. Elisha didn't know that. But the, but the Lord had been watching him. And he said, I've chosen him. And Elisha, you go to him. And you put that mantle on him. Now, how he did it, I don't know if that's exactly how the Lord wanted him to do it. I just think that's kind of funny. I think Elijah had a, I think Elijah had a little humor to him. I mean, obviously, if you go back on the Mount of Carmel, when he was challenging the prophets of Baal, and he made the jokes, mocking them and everything. I think Elijah had a sense of humor. I think he did. So when he did that and just tossed that over there, I don't know, that's just, that's just my viewpoint. He just, just tossed that mantle over there on him. And he's like, what? And he chases him down. And, and uh, he chases him down, and, and he comes back, and uh, he, he comes to him. And he left the oxen. Look at that. He, 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 that mantle fell on him, and he just lets go, and he grabs the mantle. And he runs over, and he tells him there, in, in verse uh, 20, he says, Please let me kiss my mother and my father, and then I will follow you. And Elijah said to him, Go back again. For what have I done to you? He's not telling him. And you know, a lot of times people will, uh, I've heard them say that this, they argue against the commitment of Elisha by Jesus is saying, If you look back from the plow, you're not worthy of the kingdom. He wasn't looking back. Do you, do you see that? He didn't look back because he didn't see Elijah coming. Elijah walks up and tosses it on him. He keeps walking. He runs ahead. He runs to catch up to him. We, don't, we shouldn't look back, but we can always be looking forward. We can always be looking forward. But when we look forward, we've got to be prepared to do some hard things. When you surrender to the call, we've got to be prepared to do some hard things. It's up to you whether you surrender to serve that calling the Lord has commissioned for your life. So what does he do? He did some hard things. So Elisha, look at, verses, look at verse 21. Look there at verse 21. This is surrendered to serve. Surrendered to serve. Verse 21. So Elisha turned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh and using the oxen's equipment, excuse me, using the oxen's equipment. And he gave it to the people and they ate 
Then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. So when we look at this, when we surrender our lives to serve the Lord, there are sacrifices that have to be made. Sacrifices have to be made. We look at the disciples when Jesus called them. They left their fishing nets, they left their boats, and they followed Jesus. Here's Elisha. He leaves the oxen. He doesn't just leave the oxen. He, he cooks them, and he cooks them with the equipment used to do the work. He is all in. He is all in, and that's what that's signifying. Guys, I've, I've seen it. Uh, a lot of universities, when these kids are trying to recruit these kids, they'll say, we're all in, hashtag all in. You know, really, transfer portal, NILs? No, they're not all in. They're in for themselves. Elisha was in for the Lord. He burned it. He burned, he cooked, he cooked the cattle with the plowing equipment. You want to talk about a commitment? That's a commitment. That's a commitment. You and I have got to be committed to the Lord. Sometimes, unfortunately, that requires sacrificing some things. It requires sacrificing some things. And, and sacrifice is not easy. It doesn't matter who you are. Sometimes you've got to give up a little time to read the Bible. Sometimes you've got to give up a little time to come to church. Sometimes you've got to give up a little time to go canvassing the neighborhoods. Sometimes you've got to give up a little time maybe out here to serve back there. Sometimes you've got to give up a little time maybe down there on Wednesday nights to not sit out there but maybe watch a couple of the nursery kids and sacrifice a little bit of time there. Maybe sometimes you've got to sacrifice and learn how to work the 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 audiovisual stuff to help out Sean and April, because, you know, sometimes they would like to go on vacation, and it might be on the weekend. So they need some help. Sometimes you got to sacrifice a little bit. you got to give up a little bit for the Lord. God gave up a lot for you and me. He gave up a lot for you and me. And to give up a little bit of time to serve the Lord. Listen, if there's, if there's anything that's worthy of our sacrifice, number one, it is, it is Jesus Christ. He is worthy of it. But when we come to service, when we surrender to serve, okay, one thing is our children. In a nation today that says it's okay to kill them. I mean, up to 28 days. Listen, I, I'm, I'm, I'm stepping away here for just a minute, but I just want you to know, Colorado and Maryland, are trying to pass these laws that 28 days after a baby is born, the mother can still choose to kill the baby. That's a law they're trying to push through. And they're also trying to push through this law to where if a mother chooses to have an abortion and the baby is born anyway, the doctor and the, the, doctor and the mother can agree to not treat the baby and just let it die and not treat that baby. We are back to child sacrifice, as in the Old Testament. To convenience and pleasure and leisure and sexual adventure. It's telling us what it's all about. If you don't want a child, I understand there's some situations that occur that are beyond someone's control, but that is like fractional chances that that happens. But I want to tell you this, it's all about convenience. 
It's about I want my immediate pleasure. We've got to be surrendered to the word of God. We've got to know the value. You want to serve. Serve with children. Because they're being indoctrinated in the schools. And I say our schools. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Let me, let me just say this. It might not be so much in, in Alabama right now. It might not be so heavy right now in Alabama. I know many of the teachers at Curry. I know many of the teachers at Jasper. Godly, Christian, and they're teaching healthy you know, stuff. They're, they're not teaching this weird, wacky stuff that they're getting in other places. But I'm just telling you this. It's not far from coming. It's not far. It's not far. So what do we need to do, church? We need to make sure we're investing in our kids, in our students, our youth. They need to know what the Bible says, not what CRT says or what, or what our president or, or, or educators across the world say. What does the Bible say first? Ground them in the Word of God at home before they get into the public school system. And listen, that's not enough. I've got a son in college. I got a daughter that's about to go to college. You might have kids that went to college. You know, if there's ever a ground that's ever a battleground for our kids and, and, and grandkids, it is at the college level. They're leaving home where they've been raised, but maybe not. They've been raised in church, but they've been raised by disciples. And then when they go off to school, they ain't seen Jesus in mom and daddy's life. They've seen church on the schedule, but they ain't seen Jesus in the life. Oh, we got to get up and go to church. Why? Well, well, it's just what we do. So glad that's so vital and important to you, Mom and Dad. We go, but for what purpose? Do we go? Do we do anything at home that, re, that, re, that, re, uh, that reassures us or establishes a foundation of faith at home? Is the only Bible that gets cracked open is when you come in here? Listen, that can't be happening, guys. I was talking with Brother Larry Dodd this week. Where did Larry go? I know I've just seen him in here. And he was talking about his grandmother. And how when they come over to the house, buddy, they, they reading about 9 o'clock. It might have been his mother. It was his mother. 9 o'clock every night, buddy, they just had Bible reading time. If you're on a date, come home by 9, bring her with you. You know, we're having Bible reading time. We've, we've got to set the standard. And listen, I say that, and I've struggled in that. i struggled in that. I'm not going to sit here and tell you like, like I'm up here on some pedestal and I do great in this. I've struggled in that. There's times when we've been on fire. Oh, yeah, we're, good. we're doing really good. And then there's times where we're like, oh, yeah, I mean, you know, we need to get back to that. I'm not trying to tell you that, that, that I've got it all together. But we've, we've got to start somewhere. We've got to start somewhere. We've got to start somewhere. Real quickly, I know I got a little off topic, but, but it's stuff we need to know. It's stuff we need to, we need to know. Church don't need to just be in our schedule. Jesus needs to be in our lives. But let's look, let's look at Elisha. Let's look at Elisha. We're going to look at him a little bit more and Elijah a little bit more in a, a few weeks down the road in about five weeks. But here are a few characteristics of Elisha we should also see in those who have surrendered to serve Jesus. Okay? Here's the first characteristic we see that he was committed we see he was committed look back over there uh, in verse 21 
Well, verse 20 to start off with. He, he left the oxen and ran after Elijah. We see that. He was, he, 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 so Elisha turned back from him, from Elijah, verse 21, and took a yoke of oxen, slaughtered them. I mean, all of this right here is talking about his commitment to the Lord and his commitment to serve, as he was called. Immediately, Elisha goes back to inform, not ask, his parents of his calling to serve. He initially left the oxen to chase down Elijah. Your call to God and for God is not a recommendation for the approval of your parents. I mean, I'm talking to the choir here mostly. But listen, if your kids surrender to Christ, that's, that's the decision between them and God. Now, we need to, we need to strengthen them in that, in that decision. But that's the, between them and God. Why do you think it's so deadly for a Muslim to come to faith in Jesus Christ? Because it was a decision between them and God, and their mom and daddy didn't dictate it. Because that's how that works over there. They tell you, and if you don't accept it, then too bad. You're, you're not a part of the family anymore. We got a little bit more freedom here. Your call to God is a personal decision to follow after the God of creation. He was committed. He was honorable. Look at what he wanted to do. He tells Elijah there in verse 20, please let me kiss my father and my mother and then I will follow you. He was also honorable too because he went back and he cooked, he cooked oxen and he gave it away to the people. He was honorable. He honored, he honored his mother and father because he wanted to go back and kiss them. And it was a common form of welcome and goodbyes. He cooked a meal for his family from his investment. Scripture calls for all who call upon the name of the Lord to be holy. And the fifth commandment calls for us to honor our father and mother, that your days may be long upon the land the Lord your God is giving you. He didn't go back and disrespect them. He just went back and told them, Elisha just threw his mantle on me. I'll see you. I love you, Mom and Daddy. I'm going to cook this meal for you so that you're blessed. I'll cook it for our people that are around so that y'all are blessed. But I'm gone. i got to go do what the Lord's called me to do. i got to be faithful to it. Nowhere in there do you see any argument either. So it's a mom and daddy that understood the call. He was free. He was free. He removed earthly possessions from the equation so he may follow after the call of God. He made that freedom abundantly clear by cooking or burning those items. And when we surrender to the call of God, earthly possessions should not hinder us from going after the Lord's call. The world meaning his societal norms and culture, no longer binds the believer. Listen, John 8, 33, Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Romans 8, 2, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Galatians 5.1 Steadfast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again to the yoke of bondage. He was free. He didn't have earthly possessions to bind him, to hold him back. He was free. And anything that hinders us from following Christ, we've got to sacrifice it. We've got to cut it away. Elisha was learning this very quickly, unlike Elijah who had to go down by the brook to be cut away, to go over to Zarephath to be smelted away so that he could stand before Ahab, who potentially could just put him away. But yet the Lord was able to keep him alive. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. He gives freedom. 
And lastly, the fourth thing about him is he was a servant. He was a servant. Look at what it says there. After he uh, took the yoke of oxen, slaughtered them, boiled their flesh, using the oxen's equipment, and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. He became the apprentice prophet to Elijah. He was to serve him in anything he needed or the Lord desired of him in the future. He submitted himself to Elijah, to Elijah's leadership and guidance. God not only gave Elijah a successor, this is what, uh, I'm trying to remember what book I read this from, it was, I think it was uh, Charles Swindoll. God not only gave Elijah a successor, he raised up a close personal friend. Someone who loved Elijah and understood him well enough to minister to him and encourage him. You and I should desire to be like Elisha in this manner. We should be people that encourage folks. We should desire to come alongside other seasoned saints and minister to them as they mentor us in our walk. We should be servants of one another and especially our Father in heaven. So in conclusion of this text today, we should be committed, honorable, free servants in the name of Jesus, called by the commission, surrendered to the call, and serving through our surrender. That's who we need to be. Today, you can become committed to the cause of Christ. Before you can become commissioned, you have to become one with the mission. That mission is to see people come to faith in Christ, but you must first believe this, or it won't be believable from you. You must first believe this, or it won't be believable from you. People can see right through people who are not passionate about their beliefs. People who are saved by the grace of God are passionate about His glory and His kingdom expansion. And once saved, you are commissioned to it. Matthew chapter uh, 28, 18 through 20. And once commissioned, you are called to it. Once you're called to it, you should be surrendered to it. And once surrendered to it, you should serve in it. Are you one with the mission? Have you been commissioned? Are you commissioned? Are you calling? Have you been called? Have you surrendered? And are you serving? The telltale sign of a disciple is one who will serve. Is one who will serve. Will you serve him today?